Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Today we have a crazy revenge story involving a younger sibling's new girlfriend. We'll get into that in a bit, but first, a collab of the ex-wives. We made our ex-husband suffer. They say heck hath no fury as a woman scorned, but in this case, it was two women scorned. My ex, 41-year-old male, was a classic textbook narcissist. He was also verbally abusive and very violent, and I lived in fear of him for years. Even after I left our marriage, I was terrified of him for a long while. I was 24 when I met him. He was a young lawyer working in a prestigious law firm with huge plans for the future. He wasn't handsome at all, but like many narcissists, he was charming and sweet. He had his way with words and knew just what to say and how to say it to get whatever he wanted. He told me on our second date that we were going to get married and we got married soon after. To be honest, I was flattered that he wanted to marry me. He was, after all, a brilliant lawyer and I only had a high school diploma. Fast forward to when we got married, my ex became very abusive. He yelled at me a few times before our marriage, but he went from just yelling to punching holes in the walls, throwing objects at the wall, the mirror, and at me, slapping and choking me. Inside our home, he was a beast, but when we were out or in the company of his friends and associates, he played the role of a loving, doting husband. He was the best at manipulating me. After hurting me or saying something very offensive, he'd go out and buy me a new dress new makeup products, hair products, or whatever he felt would make me happy. I'd accept his gifts, and hours later he'd yell about something and throw a flower vase or a wine bottle at me. I walked on eggshells in that marriage, wondering what he'd get mad about the next minute. I wanted to leave, but I was scared. I'd given my all to our marriage, and I didn't want to give my mom the satisfaction of knowing that my marriage didn't work out. She'd promised that my marriage would fail because she didn't want me to marry him and I had no money and very little work experience to get by on my own. For these reasons, I stayed with him and endured his random, erratic, violent outrage. I decided I was done when one morning, my ex slapped me on the face and left for work. For the better part of that day, I couldn't open my eyes. I was genuinely terrified and thought I'd lost my sight. I spent the rest of the day with a full understanding of what it was like to be without eyes, and I told myself, if I could just get my sight back, I was done. Later that day, after crawling to the fridge, fumbling around for ice packs, and placing them on both eyes, I finally opened my eyes. I told myself that day that I was done. I called an old friend and told him I was divorcing my husband and needed a lawyer. I couldn't afford an expensive lawyer at the time, so I got one who, unfortunately, was intimidated by my ex. My ex had a sterling reputation as a lawyer, and I sensed that she didn't want to upset him. I guess my ex sensed that too and he used it to his advantage. Eventually, the court ordered him to pay me alimony for three years. I got nothing. Not the house or even the car he got me. After the divorce was final, I started working in a diner in the heart of the city. That upset my ex-husband. 
He wasn't comfortable with me working in a place where his old and current colleagues could see me working as a waitress and create a bad impression of me. He came to see me one day at work and asked me to quit. I told him I won't and he tried to hit me again. I got scared for my life so I moved to a different part of the city and lived quietly there. In less than a year after our divorce was final, my ex remarried. He married a young lawyer and they had a big wedding. I was hurt because I started to feel like I wasn't enough. Perhaps the reason he treated me that way in our marriage was because I wasn't as educated. Did I also mention that my ex was ordered to pay me alimony for three years, but he never paid? I guess he wanted to punish me for leaving and he was sure that I'd be unable to do anything about it. I could barely even pay my lawyer for the divorce. While I was no doubt still scared of my ex, I still felt very hurt by what he did. I knew my life would be a lot easier if my alimony checks came in monthly, so I decided to fight him. I started to ask around for a lawyer. I wanted someone whose fees weren't so high, someone who was fearless and would not be scared of my ex-husband. After two months of searching and asking questions, I found someone. A young man who was just out of law school and his fees were reasonable. Barely a year after I found someone, I left the store I worked in to eat lunch. And when I returned, my coworker said someone came in looking for me. I had a mild suspicion that it was my ex's wife, but I brushed it off. The next day, I was at the counter when I saw her watching me. To be honest, I panicked. I was worried that my ex had found out that I was trying to sue him and had sent her after me. When she walked up to me and asked if we could talk, I nearly jumped off my chair. I told her we could talk during my break time, and she nodded and left the store. You know what's really crazy? As she walked out, I couldn't help taking a good look at her. She and I had similar body types. I'm quite small and she was too. I didn't know why my mind made that connection but I soon got it when she returned. At first, I was skeptical when she made me have lunch with her but then she told me she was looking to divorce my ex too and needed me to come in as a witness. When my ex and I divorced, I didn't state domestic violence as a reason for filing for a divorce. I didn't want to have to deal with the burden of proving it and my attorney was too scared that a domestic violence case could provoke him and lead to an anger outburst. She wasn't confident that we could win against someone as powerful as my ex-husband if we made it about domestic violence. It turned out that my ex had been abusing his wife the same way he abused me, and she was planning to take him down. My ex was at the time frolicking with politicians. He had plans to be in politics himself, and she knew that two women accusing him of physically abusing them would end his political career before it even began. I told her about the action I was taking against my ex's alimony evasion. She said I could go on with that and offered to lend me money to take care of the legal fees. My ex didn't know what hit him when he found out that the women he'd been married to were plotting to take him down. His lawyers reached out to us many times to try to get us to settle, but we refused. We didn't just want money, we wanted to completely clip his wings. At some point it began to seem like my ex was going around bribing judges and lawyers to stay off our case. I suggested granting an interview to a local newspaper on our experiences as women who'd been married to him. That way the whole world becomes involved and invested in the case. She thought it was a good idea and we did just that. At the end of the hearing, the court ordered my ex to pay damages for not paying me alimony and to pay the alimony he missed in arrears and still continue paying in the third year. In the other case of domestic violence, my ex paid a lot of money as damages. He also had to pay his ex-wife alimony. That was a lot of money for my ex. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. 
Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. And he also had to deal with a ruined reputation. His politician friends wanted nothing to do with him, and he was no longer respected in his firm, even though they kept him, because he was a good lawyer. Getting revenge on my ex was one of the proudest moments of my life, and I will always be grateful to his ex-wife for getting me on board. So I have to admit, the one thing that gives me question marks is that the law firm kept this guy? I mean, who in their right mind is going to want to go to a reputable law firm and pay a bunch of money to get represented by a guy who's already been outed in court as a domestic abuser? Like, how can you guarantee that you're going to keep your business as a firm with a guy like that on your staff? Also, hi, I'm Steven, and if you guys enjoy crazy stories of revenge, it would be awesome if you left a like or left a review if you're listening to my podcast. That said, our next story is, Racist teacher gives me the lowest scores in class, so I get him fired. Before Mr. Hart, I, 17-year-old male, used to be one of the best students in chemistry. It was a God-given talent, and it just came easily to me. In middle school, I was the vice president of the science club, and everything was going great. I'd been winning first to third place in every science fair I participated in, and when I got to high school, everything just got better. I loved physics and biology too, but chemistry was my sweet spot. People looked up to me in school and I even helped a lot of seniors do their homework, for a small fee of course. Everything changed when I had to move to another school in a different city. My parents had a huge falling out and they got divorced. I had to stay with my mom, 40 year old female, who got the house, but due to the circumstances of their divorce, which was my dad allegedly cheating on my mom right in our house, she sold the house and we moved away. I was able to enroll in school a few weeks after we got the new place. Due to my academic excellence, most of the teachers took a liking to me, especially my physics teacher, Mr. Raymond. The man thought I was some kind of prodigy or something. In class, he never failed to heap praises on me when I got a question correctly, and at one point, he even called on me to help him with complicated questions for the next day's class. My life was going great, up until the point where Mr. Raymond fell sick. We were assigned a substitute teacher during that time. Nobody knew how serious his illness was until we got the news four months later that he passed away. Two weeks later, the school hired another physics teacher. His name was Mr. Hart. And that was where all my troubles began. On the first day, he came to class and introduced himself. I knew there was something off about him. As he said his name, he made a joke about not being related to Kevin Hart in any way. There was something in his tone that made the joke sound less like a joke. He looked at the entire class with a smile and when his eyes met mine, the smile on his face slowly faded off. I knew from the start that that was a bad sign. I just didn't know how bad of a sign it was. 
And then the class started in full and while he spoke, I took down notes. But I soon realized that that was a bad thing for Mr. Hart. He called me and told me to stand up. Then he asked for my name. When I replied, he asked me what he said last. I told him what he said word for word and he went silent for a moment. Then he asked me why I wasn't paying attention. His question surprised me because he just asked me what he said last and I told him that word for word. I told him this and he said my face was on my book and not on the board where he was drawing a diagram to explain his points. I told him that I had momentarily turned my attention to my book because I was taking notes, but it didn't mean I wasn't paying attention, but that only infuriated him further. He gave me detention for three days. Even my classmates were shocked. I'd never received detention before. I was a star student. I asked him why I was being punished and he said I'd been disrespecting him since he walked into the class. I wanted to argue further but he said he'd raise it to a week if I did. I didn't understand what was going on. It was the first time a teacher had ever treated me like that and I wasn't used to it. When I got home, I told my mom about it. She was as surprised as I was, but she was really swamped with work, so she didn't have the time to come to school to make a complaint. I did my detention and hoped that it would be the end of it, but nope. It was just the beginning of my problems with Mr. Hart. Every time I try to answer a question, he usually ignores me, but punishes me for the slightest things. One time, my pen rolled off my desk and fell to the ground, and to my surprise, Mr. Hart told me to leave his class. He said I was intentionally disrupting his class, and when I tried to explain that it was a mistake, he gave me detention for two days just for talking back to him. At this point, I was fed up with everything. During lunch one day, I was hanging out with my friends and I was in a bad mood. They asked me about what was going on and I complained about Mr. Hart. Two of the other guys in junior year, Jimmy and Dave, said they were facing the same thing. And that was when I realized it. Jimmy and I were black while Dave was Asian. He wasn't harsh to any other students except us. Mr. Hart was racist. I didn't know what to do with that discovery. Up to that point in my life, I'd never experienced racism. I was familiar with the Black Lives Matter movement, but that's all my knowledge about the topic. More importantly, I didn't know how to make it stop. I considered reporting the issue to the principal, but I didn't have enough evidence to make any allegations stick. If I reported him and nothing was done about the issue, I was pretty much cooked. After considering my options, I decided to leave him be. My plan was to let my grades speak for me. Maybe if he saw that I was a top tier student, he'd finally let me be. Imagine my shock when our test results came through and I scored an F. As I stared at my result on the screen, I couldn't breathe. I think I actually had a panic attack or something. I confronted Mr. Hart about my score and he said I cheated on the test. He said he saw me asking for answers from someone. I reported this to the principal, who called him into the office to explain the situation. He told him he saw me cheating in the exam hall, but didn't say anything because he was going to give me an F. The school admin tried to look into this, but there wasn't a lot they could do. It was his word against mine. Besides, he managed to enlist the help of one of the few guys in class who didn't like me because I scored better grades than he did. He served as the fake eyewitness. That was how I got my first F in my history of schooling. I thought that was how bad it could get until he started to give me the lowest scores in class for no definite reason. It was crazy because the school management wasn't doing anything about it. They knew I was receiving good grades when Mr. Raymond was still a physics teacher and they weren't in the least bothered that it switched up as soon as Mr. Hart took over. 
I couldn't let Mr. Hart's hatred for me ruin my chances of getting into a good college, so I decided that if the school wasn't going to do anything about his racism, I had to take matters into my own hands. During one lunch break, my friends in junior year and I sat down in the cafeteria to come up with a plan. Since they were also affected by his prejudice, they were more than happy to help me work on my plan. After a moment of brainstorming and researching, we decided to frame him for drinking. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. On duty, Dave supplied the vodka the next day from his dad's bar, and we all got to work. The first step was getting Mr. Hart's flask. He always drank from that flask whenever he taught, and we didn't know if it was water or tea, but it didn't matter. As long as he ingested the alcohol, we were good to go. During lunch break, he left his class like everyone else. He usually left the flask in his drawer because he'd get a drink in the cafeteria. That was our window. Dave and I snuck into his class, careful not to be seen by anyone, while Jimmy stayed on the lookout. I poured a bit of the alcohol into the flask, mixing it with its content, and then we dropped the vodka bottle in the last drawer in Mr. Hart's desk. I never saw him open that drawer, so it'll be the last place you'll check. When we were done, Jimmy came into the class and pulled out three adult magazines from his pants. He asked us to add them to the drawer, further incriminating Mr. Hart. We had a good laugh about it, but I did it anyway. My next class after lunch break was physics, so while we were in the class, I watched him take a drink from the flask. He stopped abruptly though, because the taste probably changed. He couldn't figure out what was going on, and after the class, we told our friend Eric to report Mr. Hart to the principal for drinking during school hours. I couldn't go myself because I'd reported Mr. Hart many times and if I told on him now, it would be suspicious. Eric, on the other hand, was a friend of ours who had never had a problem with him, but we were in the same class and he witnessed all the injustices I'd gone through. The principal summoned Mr. Hart immediately and his desk was searched. The bottle of vodka was found, along with Jimmy's adult magazines. Of course, Mr. Hart denied drinking in school and said the bottle wasn't his, but a breathalyzer test proved that he was lying. He was fired immediately. I watched as he returned to the class to pack his stuff. For a split second, I felt pity for him. I had this thought in my head telling me that I'd just ruined this man's life, but it was gone as soon as it came. Mr. Hart was also ready to ruin my life. If his injustice had continued into junior and senior year, my CGPA could have been greatly affected and I wouldn't be able to go to the college of my choice. It was either him or me, and so I chose me. Anyway, we got a new teacher the next week. He was less of a jerk than Mr. Hart, and all was right in the world again. So the only thing I'm confused about is the breathalyzer test. Did like they call the cops and like get a breathalyzer brought in? Or is it standard issue in schools and I just never knew to have like a breathalyzer to test such a thing? And even still, I'm assuming he didn't just like keep glugging from the flask, right? It would probably register like .01 on the breathalyzer, does that count enough? I mean, I guess it is drinking while on the job. 
Our next story is the girlfriend I didn't approve. I am 28 year old female, fiercely protective of my family members. Most of my friends think I'm the definition of she does not play. Well, their insinuations can't be far from wrong. Being the first child in my family, it was natural for me to be the mother hen to my siblings. So when my younger and only brother told me he'd gotten involved in a relationship with a lady, let's call her E, I got my protective instincts on, just in case. One evening, we had a family gathering at our parents' house. My younger brother JB, as I fondly call him, brought his girlfriend along. From the moment she walked in, I couldn't shake the feeling that something was off, and she was bound to prove me right as the night unfolded. As the night progressed, I realized I wasn't wrong about my feelings. My discomfort gradually developed into a genuine dislike for her, thanks to her seemingly obnoxious behavior. To clear the air, I'm not the one to judge people at first sight, nor am I a mean girl who would want to destroy anyone's relationship. But there was something about E that gave off a vibe of pride. And as much as I tried to focus on the positive side of things, she kept giving me reasons not to. The first red flag was her blatant self-centeredness. During the dinner, E dominated the conversation with stories that described her achievements, interests, and experiences. It was as if the rest of us were merely spectators in her one-woman show. Her lack of interest in others' lives, as she didn't care to allow us our input, was both frustrating and off-putting, leaving me with the impression that she considered herself the center of the universe. That night passed, and I decided to confide in my friend Mag, but to my dismay, Mag told me I was just pushing the jealous and insecure vibes. I didn't take her words seriously because I was sure that there was something about E that didn't click. Meanwhile, Mag suggested that I give her grace, a suggestion I decided to take just for the benefit of the doubt. Well, it turned out that energies don't lie. Another time, E showed me the stuff she was made of when she showed a complete lack of empathy towards my sister's struggle story. My younger sister shared a personal struggle, which meant so much to all of us, including JB, but much to my shock, E dismissed it with a callous remark, saying my sister's struggle was not an uncommon one. At that point, I began to worry about my brother, who seemed blinded by infatuation. Despite my efforts to remain open-minded, I couldn't help but strongly dislike E based on her self-centeredness, obnoxious behavior, and lack of empathy. One sunny afternoon, I hung out with my brother in our favorite coffee shop, where we ordered our favorite flavors. I decided to have an honest conversation with him. As we chatted about various topics, I gently steered the conversation toward his relationship with E. As much as I was explicit, I tried to choose my words carefully as I expressed my concerns about things I observed. I pointed out instances where E had displayed manipulative behavior and seemed to have a knack for belittling others just to elevate herself. I reminded him of the day E made derogatory comments about his friends and family members. I also brought up an instance when E tried to talk down on our cousin, who was battling a drug addiction. Even when it was obvious to everyone around that he was trying to beat that addiction, E was insensitive enough to make an unsolicited remark like, Are you just going to waste your life away? That comment made my cousin avoid JB for a long time. I tried my best for him to see that these weren't healthy dynamics in a relationship, but I was shocked to see that my brother was noticeably defensive. He dismissed my concerns, attributing E's behavior to stress or misunderstandings. He insisted that I was reading too much into things and that he was happy with her, and he made it clear that he was not interested in any talk that did not endorse the love of his life. So, most of the red flags I pointed out 
and my words of caution fell on deaf ears. I was frustrated but still concerned for his well-being. I could only hope that he would eventually see E's true colors before it was too late. He cautioned me for being an overprotective older sister. He said, and I quote, I would appreciate it if you would cut me some slack, big sister. And those words hit me like a thunderbolt. After about a year, E and my brother decided to cohabit. My brother, being the romantic soul that he was, footed the bill for the moving truck, the huge deposits, and all the utilities that came with establishing a comfortable home. He reveled in the joy of creating a home with E. From the cozy living room to the well-arranged kitchen, every corner of their shared space reflected the love that he felt for her. In those moments, I knew that JB couldn't wait to take E to the altar. In this idyllic setting, any previous concerns or warnings seemed like distant echoes. JB, being the romantic soul that he was, felt a profound sense of satisfaction and happiness. He was convinced that he'd made the right choice and was glad that he didn't heed any advice to the contrary. Even though their first two months were without any hassle, I stood by my opinion that E and my brother did not stand a chance together. In no time, they began to make marriage plans together, but I could see that JB was the most excited. One day, while I went over to visit my brother based on his invitation, I saw that my brother looked so sullen and pensive. I didn't know what to make out of his mood, but I could see that he looked less excited than his usual self. He went on to narrate to me how he had eagerly awaited E's return when she attended a planned hangout with her friends. E had mentioned that she was going to hang out with her friends for the day, assuring him that she would be back by the evening. As the hours ticked away, he narrated how he expected E's return and how he repeatedly checked his phone, hoping for a message or a call that would put his anxious thoughts to rest. Yet, silence prevailed. Before that time, JB explained to me with pain in his eyes how he had planned to hang out with E and he'd already made reservations for them because he had equally planned to propose to her on that day. He told me how eagerly he looked forward to those moments. Unfortunately, E didn't return home as planned. The evening turned into night and still, there was no trace of E. By this time, worry had transformed into a heavy knot of sadness for JB. He couldn't shake the feeling that something was amiss, and the plans they had made together seemed to slip away with every passing hour. To make matters worse, E didn't even try to reach out to him. When E finally returned home, she gave the excuse that the hangout with her friends had taken an unexpected turn. She casually defended herself, saying that the one-day hangout had evolved into a spontaneous weekend hangout, and she was caught up in the moment, so she didn't realize that she hadn't informed him about the change in plans. When he finished the story, I was expecting my brother to sound very disappointed. Instead, he still tried to make excuses for E. He truly believed that E was caught up in the moment, and she didn't remember to keep him in the loop about things. It was disheartening to see that I was gradually losing my brother to a woman who made him feel less of himself. I could see that he felt he won a trophy by being with an insanely beautiful woman who felt the world was at her feet. Beauty was good, but I knew that it wasn't enough to make my brother happy. At that point, I knew I needed to save my brother from the grip of this woman. I could see how much of a shadow of himself he had become. His friends at work had complained that he was beginning to care less about his professional growth, and that, to me, was unacceptable. I had watched JB put so much effort into his professional growth, and I wasn't about to sit back and allow him to experience a decline because he was in love. Although it wasn't an easy agenda for me, 
There were days I thought I was going overboard and I even wondered if I was an extremist. But I was quick to convince myself that I was a big sister who needed to do what she needed to do to protect her brother. One night, the universe, as they say, decided to smile at me when I'd almost given up on my quest. I was scrolling through my Snapchat feeds when I stumbled upon a video posted by E. My heart sank as I watched the brief clip unfold. In the dim glow of a party, she was passionately kissing another guy. Their laughter drowned out by the blaring music in the background. Shock and disbelief gripped me as I realized the gravity of the situation. I never approved of E, but I'd never imagined that she was going out on my brother. My immediate concern was for my brother, JB, who had given his all to the relationship. The video was like a betrayal captured in real time, and I grappled with the decision of whether to confront E or discreetly gather more information. I decided to save the video, and I knew I couldn't remain silent. Despite the emotional turmoil I knew it would cause for JB, I decided to show him the undeniable proof that E had been unfaithful. The revelation was sure to bring heartache, but I believed that honesty was the only way to protect my brother from deeper, more prolonged pain. I could tell firsthand how much my brother treated her like a queen, and I couldn't fathom what would have prompted her actions. As expected, JB was so broken and disappointed when I sent him the video. He couldn't comprehend how the woman he wanted to propose to and spend forever with would choose to cheat on him and still get it recorded. He told me he'd withdrawn his intention of sealing his relationship with her, as he couldn't get past such a betrayal. Well, you can imagine how happy I was when my brother finally saw beyond E's flagrant beauty. JB and I decided to hatch a plan. I had him invite E and a few friends over to an exotic restaurant and then we gave a hint of a proposal so the atmosphere looked charged. E came in looking ravishing and beautiful and JB arrived earlier to welcome her with flowers and beautiful words while I hung around. In JB's words, E was one of the most beautiful things he had experienced. For E, he was willing to go to the ends of the earth. E was captivated and happy. She couldn't believe what was happening around her. JB continued his grand speech and I had the waiters play the video of E's escapades on TV after convincing them that it was a proposal video. At first, no one understood what was happening, but they got a clearer picture as the video progressed. I could tell that E was gasping for air. She didn't expect to be humiliated in public. Well, to me, what happened was a tit for tat. As expected, everyone was in shock as confusion and disappointment flew around the place. Well, now I just want to know what happened after the fact. It's so cruel of OP to end the story right at that point. But I think it's pretty safe to assume what happened. They probably got upset and ran off and everybody was shocked and knew the truth. And, well, the relationship was pretty much dead and done right there. I guess creeping around on social media feeds can pay off sometimes. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. Now, if you want to hear another absolutely crazy revenge story, check out that video on the left. Or if you missed my latest video, check out that video on the right. That said, I'll see you all next time with some more stories.